Welcome to the Farm Bits Podcast, a product of Nebraska Extension Digital Agriculture. I'm Jackson Stansel. And I'm Samantha Teton. And we come to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews and panels with experts, producers, and innovators from all sectors of digital technology, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Welcome to the third episode in our connectivity series here on the Farm Bits Podcast. We've heard from Dr. John Fulton and Dr. Keenan McRoberts so far in this series regarding the importance of connectivity and how public and private partnerships can drive improvements in connectivity. For this episode, we are excited to welcome Dr. Ranveer Chandra, the Chief Scientist of Microsoft Azure Global and Partner Researcher at Microsoft Research. Ranveer initiated and is still heavily involved in the FarmBeats project at Microsoft Research, which has recently led to the launch of Azure FarmBeats, a cloud platform in- enabling data-driven insights for agricultural technology companies and other experts. In this episode, we will hear from Ranveer on many topics associated with FarmBeats, from how the FarmBeats projects brought innovation to rural connectivity, to how Azure FarmBeats is enabling better decision-making once that data actually gets to the cloud. This interview kept us on the edge of our seats. So here's our interview with Ranveer Chandra. So, uh, you know, Microsoft is, is not a traditional entity that's involved in agriculture. And so why was the company on board with you kind of starting this project and getting involved in ag? Yeah, so at Microsoft Research, we, we are expected to take risks, expected to do things that are out of the way. That is not necessarily something that Microsoft does right now. And that is why when I started FarmBeats, of course, it wasn't a big project. I was given four interns. I was told, okay, see what you can do. And that's how the project started. Sure, and sure. Um, the key thing here was that we believe that the future of agriculture is data-driven. It's going to be driven by data, by technology. And even though Microsoft might not be the ones building the tools directly used by the farmers, we could be building the basis for a lot of tools in ag tech, in food tech. And that's what we are doing at Microsoft. At Microsoft right now, the approach we are taking to industry, be it with agriculture, be it in any other industry, is we are building the digital stack for agriculture. And our, the, the customers for us are our partners. Essentially, they are the ones who are building solutions on top and taking those solutions to the growers, in this case with FarmBeats. Awesome. So can you expand on that data-driven decision part a little bit and how is the FarmBeats project working to achieve that? What are you guys doing exactly? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Samantha. You know, when I started FarmBeats, the first thing I did is I went and interviewed lots of farmers. Mm -hmm. I went and I talked to them. I volunteered on a couple of farms. I stayed for one week in in upstate New York, uh, in this farm. And I, I, uh, I essentially attended these meetings at 5 a.m. I saw how hard farmers work. What I realized when I met each of these farmers is that the farmers know a lot about their farm. They have been farming there for, in some cases for years, in some cases for decades, if not for generations. Some, like one farmer, he could feel the soil and say what's going on. Another farmer, he would just taste soil and say what's going on. They know a lot about their farm, yet a lot of decisions these farmers make is based on guesswork. Like they know a lot about their farm, yet when to water, how much to water, when to seed, when to harvest. All of these decisions are based on guesswork, which is where I believe one of the things that we could enable is with data-driven agriculture, we could 
augment a farmer's knowledge about their farm with data and with data-driven insights. That is, we can get the data from the farm, show them what the farm looks like right now. We can then use artificial intelligence to start making predictions of not what is it now, but what will it be an hour in the future, a, a day in the future, up to five days in advance, so that a grower can take smart, intelligent decisions. And that's the kind of future that we believe farm beats can enable, data-driven agriculture can enable. Yeah. So how much of a challenge has the lack of rural connectivity, you know, here in the U.S. and, and obviously in other places as well, you know, how much of a challenge has it been in, in terms of getting that data to where it can actually be used for artificial intelligence and some of these data-driven applications? Yeah, no, that's another great question. Uh, so that's the first thing we need to do to drive AI, as you rightly pointed out, is to get the data. Get the data about what the farm looks like right now, and then you'll be able to make any predictions. But getting this data is extremely difficult. That is, yeah, you can get satellite data, but satellite data is coarse grain that is not seen below the canopy. It's not seen below the ground. They, they, it's good data. It can't see through clouds. Lots of issues with satellite data right now for which you need on the ground information. But if there is no internet, how do you get data from the middle of the farm? And that is one of the first things we realized that this needs to be addressed with Farm Beats. And uh, with Farm Beats, we started looking at this problem of how pervasive is this lack of connectivity? It's, it's huge. Like, you know, farmers' house might have connectivity. A lot of the discussions that were happening was about bringing broadband to, to, to the households. Even that is a very important problem. But if you have to enable this data-driven agriculture, things like precision agriculture and so on, you need connectivity not, in the, not only in the household, but in the farm as well. And that is one of the first issues we had to address as part of farm needs. And then we had to look at other issues as well. For example, there's no power, there's no electrical outlets where you can plug in your devices. That is, you can, how, do you, how do you get, you can't be putting lots and lots of sensors. These sensors are expensive. So how do you gather information without putting lots of sensors in the farm? So these are some of the other issues that we had to address. But yeah, broadband was, um, lack of broadband in the farm was one of the first key realizations when we started to envision this concept of data-driven agriculture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how are you actually going about addressing those? We've heard of a couple of creative ways, but can you kind of fill us in on that? Yeah, one of the creative ways I'll talk about <laughs> is something that I started working on in 2005 called TV white spaces. So this is one of the technologies that um, I've written some of the first papers on, is on a way to use unused TV channels to send and receive data. That is, the, what the TV white spaces enables is imagine if you have, say, a Wi-Fi router that you can access a few miles away. You know, mm -hmm. right now when you turn on your router, as soon as you leave your house or your building, there's no internet. There's yep. no Wi-Fi. With this, we could go much, much longer. And the way we did that was we put these Wi-Fi signals in empty TV channels. This is TV you watch using antennas over the air TV. You know, mm -hmm. when you browse through these channels, on certain channels, you get a transmission. Yeah. The other channels, all you see is white noise, nothing coming there. The mm -hmm. technology we had built was a way to take this Wi-Fi signal and to put it in these noisy TV channels in a way that doesn't interfere with your TV reception in an adjacent channel. So you could be watching Channel 7 at home on Channel 8, you could be sending Wi-Fi signals. And the reason this is so cool is that compared to Wi-Fi at the same power level, in UHF TV channels, your signals go four times farther. In, in, v, in UHF, in VHF, they go 12 times farther. And that's in free space, purely based on physics. 
if you put it through crops, canopies, forests, the signals just keep going through. It goes much more. Because the reason mm -hmm. is that, uh, just for people who are more tech savvy here, is you know the lower you go in the frequency space, your, your wavelength becomes bigger. Your wavelength becomes bigger. It can go through obstructions much, much better. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we've done. We've deployed uh, back in the day in 2010, the FCC chairman had come to Microsoft campus to see the demo we had put together. This was made legal in the US in 2010. Since then, we've gone out, connected high schools, hospitals, dispensaries in various parts of the world using this technology. In fact, uh, uh, with the Airband initiative Microsoft announced in 2017, we'd made a pledge to connect 3 million rural Americans to broadband using this technology. In fact, if you look at what's happened most recently, in fact, it was late October, early November, the FCC passed new regulations to make the TV white spaces even more favorable for rural areas, for farms. Uh, so uh, the new regulations allow for higher antenna mounting, so you can mount the antennas higher. They allow higher transmit power levels. You can even geofence an area. You can say, this is my farm area, and over here, I can start transmitting at higher power. So you can really envision the future of this is going to be like a Wi-Fi-like scenario. You want your farm connected, put in this antenna, put in this device, and you can then start getting data from all your devices in that region. And not just getting small sensor data. These are broadband signals. You could be getting large amounts of data, large amounts of bandwidth. Because the key insight that we had for agriculture is that TV towers are where people are. People are the ones who watch TV. So in cities, most of the TV towers are in cities. If you go outside the city, most of the channels are just white noise. Like if you turn on a TV in the farm, most of the channels are unoccupied. The more empty channels there are, the more available capacity there is. So if you're talking of, even if say 20 TV channels are available, we are talking of each channel is six megahertz wide. So 20 times six, 120 megahertz of available spectrum. We are talking of a few hundred megahertz per second, if not more, yeah. using that spectrum. So this is like unused spectrum, and the regulations are there. We need uh, that. That could be one way to bring broadband to the farm. But that said, one of the things I would like to highlight is that this is just one method. There's no, um, there's there, there's no clear just one solution. We'll have to use a combination of solutions to address this problem. Like for example, we are also working with uh, with other companies. For example, with SpaceX, we announced a partnership with Starlink using low Earth orbit satellites. You can mm -hmm. use those to bring connectivity as well. Now, of course, the way you would use it is you bring connectivity from satellite to a point, you can then use a terrestrial solution. For example, like TV white spaces, or it could be 5G, it could be private LTE. You could set up any of those in combination with, so all of these technologies need to work together along with another technology called edge compute. That is, mm -hmm. rather than sending all of that data to the farm, you could be running things on an edge computer. And together, you might be able to address the problem of broadband connectivity. But going back to the point uh, you both of you raised, uh, Samantha and Jackson, that is, we need to address this broadband problem if we are to get to the future of agriculture, which is going to be data-driven, driven by AI. If that is the future, we need to bring broadband to the farm. Yep. Those are really cool solutions that you guys are coming up to, and we'll be yeah. interested to see how they get implemented. Um, another challenge can be the cost of technology. So there's a lot of interesting solutions out there um, and these costs can kind of pile up for some producers. So how is FarmBeats potentially helping though 
provide solutions to connect some of these technologies or to maybe make it more of a feasible option. Right. So with FarmBeats, what we are doing is building this data layer in the cloud. What FarmBeats is right now is it's a, it's a data platform in the cloud for ag, for ag tech companies. What we're doing is we're allowing you to bring in data from different data streams and then run your artificial intelligence pipelines in them. That's the state right now. But this, uh, there are a few things that we are continuing to do, investigate as far as research, it's still in research, on trying to bring down the cost of these solutions even more. So TV white spaces is one way to bring down the cost. The other way we are looking to bring down the cost is by reducing the number of sensors that are needed in a farm. Like for example, suppose the question was, what is the soil moisture level six inches below the soil throughout the farm? What is the soil nutrient level? If you have to solve this problem, say just the soil moisture problem, both of you are, are uh, in the agriculture department, you would understand this problem much better, that if you have to build such an accurate map, you would need lots and lots of sensors. You would need a sensor, say, every 10, 15 meters if you have to build an accurate map. Yep. But putting lots and lots of sensors is expensive to deploy, mm -hmm. to manage. It will come in the way of the farmer as the farmer does the day-to-day job. So the question we asked was then, well, you, if you have to build a map, you can't put lots of sensors. How can you bring down the cost of, of building such maps? The way we did that is by using artificial intelligence. Our key idea was, well, if you could use put only a few sensors in the farm and then you use aerial imagery and then use artificial intelligence to then bridge these two modes of sensing to build maps. The, the, the idea was very simple. If you have a farm, you intelligently decide where you put a few sensors and then you use technologies such as drones or satellites to get the aerial image. What you do with the aerial images, then wherever you have a sensor, you look at what does the aerial image look like. You use that to train a machine learning model. And then you use that machine learning model to predict these values in other parts of the farm where you have the image, but you don't have sensors. Mm -hmm. And we wrote a paper on this. We showed that using such a technology, you can be three times more accurate than exist existing schemes that don't use aerial imagery. So this was one way in which we can bring down, further bring down the cost of solutions. Yeah. But we could do more, and we are continuing to invest in other ways to bring down costs. Like, Initially, for example, we were using drones. And as you know, drones can be uh, expensive. They, they still cost a few thousand dollars, if not more. And they only last, say, uh, 30 minutes on a single, uh, single charge. Mm -hmm. The question we asked was, we went to Africa, for example. We wanted, uh, we wanted to do these trials in Africa and India with smallholder farmers. Mm -hmm. Once we went there, we, 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 in one country, we didn't get permission to fly drones. We were, we were told that, hey, go get the permission from the Ministry of Defense. At this point, that they're never going to grant a few researchers yeah. uh, the permission to, uh, to fly a drone. So then our question was, how can you get aerial imagery from a farm at low cost? So the way we solved that problem is we went really low tech. Our idea was to use helium-filled balloons. These are about four to five feet in diameter. What, and these balloons are tethered to the ground with a rope and they fly up to 150 to 200 feet. What we built was a weatherproof mount where a grower can, face, can place their smartphone with a camera facing down and a battery pack attached to it. And this thing can stay up from four to seven days taking images of the same part of the farm. And in fact, not just that, so there is a farmer close to Microsoft campus. He used this to monitor floods in his farm. He could see, because right now what used to happen was 
he, he would come every morning to his farm. If he saw any amount of blood in the farm, he would throw away his entire crop because based on regulations, he cannot sell any crop that is touched by the flood. So with this, mm. he actually had visual proof to see which crops are touched by the flood and only throws away those crops. In fact, we could do a bit, of, a bit more than that. Like in places like India and Africa, where labor is inexpensive, you get someone just walk around with the balloon over the entire farm. And then we use computer vision and artificial intelligence algorithms to stabilize the imagery. And then we construct these aerial views of farms. So you can see how, because this is another way to bring down costs, where if you have, instead of using expensive drones, you use these low cost balloons. There's some more cutting edge stuff that we are doing where, uh, where the kind of vision we are enabling is, can you use your smartphone to start measuring soil moisture and soil EC? That is by using Wi-Fi on the phone. This is a very new research which we did where, you know, these sensors that you buy right now, they are expensive. They're still a few hundred dollars, if not more. But the, many of these smallholder farmers, they won't spend a few hundred dollars to buy a sensor in the farm because the question they ask is, what is the ROI? What is the return of investment? If I put a sensor, it will only tell me what's happening here, not what's happening a few meters away. Mm -hmm. So then the question, we, the, the, the idea we had was that, well, farmers won't buy, will spend a few hundred dollars for, uh, for a sensor, but many of them have a smartphone, even if it is an inexpensive $100 smartphone. If they have a smartphone, it has a Wi-Fi chipset in it. If it has a Wi-Fi chipset in it, the key idea we had was that the time of flight of a Wi-Fi signal depends on the permittivity of the material. And so, for example, if the soil is moist, the signal will take longer to traverse the same distance, except this distance is in, this time is in nanoseconds. And Wi-Fi doesn't have the bandwidth to measure this in nanoseconds. And the next idea we had was that most of these Wi-Fi chipsets have multiple antennas in them. So instead of measuring the absolute time of flight, if you measure the relative time of flight, then you could actually use that to measure soil moisture and soil electrical conductivity. So we then, uh, we, we wrote a paper on this, we built a system, we showed it to Bill Gates when he visited the farm that we have close to Microsoft campus. And in fact, the blog that he wrote on FarmBeats, the title of the blog, Bill Gates' blog was, can the Wi-Fi in your phone feed the world? So we are super excited about this. This is like cutting edge tech. Just the first research paper has been written a lot more research needs to happen before it really becomes mainstream. But that, I believe, is the future where we can then equip every farmer with tools so that they know what's happening in the farm, both above the ground and below the ground. Right? But these are all different things. We are coming at it from a computer science side of things, from an electrical engineering side of things, seeing mm -hmm. how can you bring technology to help uh, the farmers, to help build ag tech solutions. That, because this is all data, if we provide to both of you, I'm sure you could do lots of things on the farmer's side. Yeah, that's that's the hope. And it's so interesting how you're thinking outside the box and making use of, of those technologies that are already in place that farmers already have, but just how can we maximize the efficiency of them is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah. no, it is. It is. It, that is the case. That is a lot of these tools in computer science are being used for other industry. Part of what we are also doing is thinking outside the box in the context of agriculture and trying to bring technology which are being adopted in other industries to agriculture yeah that's that's really cool and you know since you've kind of brought up the the kind of the low cost thing and also all the algorithms like the machine learning algorithms and artificial intelligence that are kind of that you're using now to almost for lack of a better word interpolate data from sensors 
Um, I kind of want to get into the farm beats Azure platform. Um, and so who, who kind of are your intended users and, and what are you seeking to achieve with that farm beats Azure platform? Yeah. So a lot of what I was describing with uh, TV white spaces, with Wi-Fi based sensing balloons, all of this was in research, right? We were all thinking in terms of two parts of farm beats. One was data acquisition. How do you get a lot of this data to the cloud? And the second piece is on once you start getting all of these different data streams from sensors, from drones, from satellites, from tractors, how do you merge all of these to drive new insights? Like the interpolation algorithm was one we've done more in that space around microclimate prediction. So then I transitioned over from research to products and we shipped the first version of Azure Farm Beats. And Azure Farm Beats is this platform in the cloud for other ag tech companies to build their solutions. That is, we are able to bring data from diverse data streams from the farm and then allow farmers to, to then allow these ag tech companies to run their AI machine learning algorithms on top to take it to the growers. Uh, so that's the, uh, that's the platform uh, that we built. Essentially, it's about being for any piece of land, what FarmBeats would allow through APIs is you should be able to provide a polygon, which is a shape file. And for that polygon, which could be a field, which could be a farm, we, we then bring in lots of data streams from satellites, from weather stations, from farm equipment, from sensors, other data streams. And then as you can tell, these data streams have different time resolutions, have different spatial resolutions. With drones, you get centimeter resolution. With, uh, with satellites, you get meter level resolution, meters. So how do you merge all of these? How do you run AI on top of this? So this is a platform that we are building with Armbeats. But then the way it goes to the market is through partners, is through, uh, through ISVs. We are not building a grower-based solution. So for us, a farmer might be using these ag tools with farm beats behind the background, but they might never know that they're using these solutions behind the scenes. And towards this, we've done several partnerships, both in terms of partners, whose data we can bring to the platform, as well as in terms of, uh, in terms of partners who build the solutions on top. For example, we recently announced a partnership with DTN, which is a big weather company. Mm -hmm. We are bringing DTN's weather to the FarmBeats platform. So once you define a, a shapefile or a polygon, you can start getting those that data, the weather data from DTN to the platform. Huh. And then for, uh, regarding the actual farmer facing offering, we recently did a partnership with Lando Lakes, where uh, Lando Lakes is building their digital agriculture platform on top of FarmBeats. And we are bringing the latest in tech, while Lando Lakes is bringing all of their agricultural expertise to build those agricultural solutions on top of FarmBeats. Yeah, that's really cool. That is. We actually heard you speak at a conference um, a couple of years ago, and I just it stuck out to us, that collaboration piece. We just remember you talking to these people and saying, like, we want to work and learn the agriculture side from you guys. And that was just so cool. And so with this collaboration piece, there can be some other challenges. How do you guys distinguish like the ownership of models and algorithms created from these other companies or whatever, and putting them together with farm beats, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question, Samantha. It's about how do we how do we drive this partner ecosystem? How do we build this collaboration on top? So in this case, uh, a lot of these AI expertise that comes on top, like for example, building a corn-based model or a model for wheat, we are not the experts in corn and wheat. We will never get it. And these are the things which we want to empower our partners to get there. We want to empower our partners with the 
latest tools with the latest tech tools, latest in artificial intelligence, latest in internet of things, edge compute, so that they can then start building the solutions on top. The models by itself, it belongs to them. We are providing the platform and they build the models, but we want them to take their models to the agriculture, to other companies who we work with. For example, uh, one in the Land O'Lake scenario, just going back to them, one of the partners we work with there is Tavant Technologies. They are the ones who are building a lot of some of the technologies there, which we are then taking to Land O'Lakes. So the IP then belongs to whoever has actually built the model, while we are more in the process of bringing the technology and powering them to build these models, which otherwise would have been very hard for them without these technology tools. So we think of ourselves, if you think of it as a tools provider, as someone who's building these tools for anyone in the ag tech space to do more. Right now, they're at a certain level with Farm Beats, with the tools that we're building, we want to take them to the next really big step up from where they are right now. That's really cool. That's incredible. Uh, so what do you foresee being uh, Azure Farm Beats' biggest opportunity for growth in the coming years? Yeah, so see the vision here is to make every farm farmer use data-driven technologies, right? The goal that we have, the what we want to get to is a world where every, so it's about food. It's about not just feeding the world, but nourishing the world and nourishing the world sustainably without harming the planet. If you think of that as the future, what we are doing now with Farm Beats is just scratching the surface. Farm Beats is just about the farm. But once you start bridging it across the entire food supply chain is when you can start unlocking new efficiency. If you look at, so if you look at the entire food supply chain, all the way from input companies to equipment companies, to the farm, to the logistics companies, to the food distributors, uh, the processors, the retailers, it's an entire chain. Each entity in the food supply chain could use data to make themselves more efficient, like farm beats for the farm. You could do a similar thing for a manufacturing plant. When these entities start sharing data with one another, we believe you could start unlocking even new efficiencies in the entire food supply chain. And that's the vision that we want to get to. We want to get to a place where you should be able to exchange this data. You want to be able to use this data to drive new efficiencies, to make sure that you're growing with less, you're directing food, you're reducing food waste, you're taking it to the people who need them, and you're giving everyone the food that they need. The ultimate vision here is that consumers would treat food as medicine. They would treat, they would eat food that is best for them. And everyone has some different food could work differently for each person. And you, the world will get there. It's about how do we accelerate people, accelerate the entire food industry to go in that direction. And the farm yeah. by itself plays a very important role. That's the genesis. That's the central point yeah. based on which the entire food chain would be driven. Yeah, people are talking about alternative proteins and things like that, lab-based meats. But if you even if you look at that, the genesis of that, they're looking at some of the 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 food, the the, the inputs to that are things like chickpeas and moon beans and and millets. So these are things which again have to be grown somewhere and they need to be grown the right way so that you can make the right food. So yeah, so that's the vision we are after of getting everyone the right food that they need. And in order to get there, Palm Beats is just scratching the surface. There's huge amounts of opportunity in the entire food chip supply chain. Wow. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, 
all of that has to be enabled and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of backtrack a little bit or, or I guess really not backtrack, but tie things together. Right. So all of that has to be enabled by connectivity. And so if you're thinking about this, this rural connectivity aspect, do you think that addressing this, this particular issue is going to be more of a, a private and public emphasis on just kind of bringing existing technologies uh, into cooperation and, and just you know, implementing them in rural areas, or do you think it's that we still need to develop more technologies uh, that actually fit these rural areas appropriately? For, for broad, for connectivity? This for yeah, connectivity. yep. I think for connectivity, we need to do more than what exists. I, I think we, are, we, we don't have all the solutions. If someone says we do, I don't think we do. We still need to do more. Just to, just to prove my point, uh, around the world, about 40% of the world doesn't have internet access. And the reason they are not on the internet is not because they don't have internet coverage. Like 90% of the world has some sort of internet connectivity to connect to, to, the, to the internet. It's mm -hmm. just not affordable enough. So I think being able to build these affordable broadband technologies is key, especially if you're, when you're talking of the farm. A farm, there's no human there usually in, in the middle of a farm. You need to get Internet of Things data. How do you get this data at scale so that you can drive all of these decisions is, I think, a problem that needs to be addressed. There are very promising technologies, like TV white spaces I would call is a promising technology. Leo satellites is another promising technology. But a lot more needs to be addressed. Because the other thing I wanted to point out about connectivity in a farm is the definition of broadband. Right now, the way the FCC defines broadband, for example, is 25 megabits per second downlink and three megabits a second uplink connection. From a farm, most of the transmissions will be uplink and not downlink. You might want to even flip it. For farms, when you're talking of broadband, it should be three meg down, 25 yeah, yeah. meg up, or even more. But existing technologies don't get you there. Like for example, with LEO satellites, again, your capacity is in the downlink direction, not in the uplink direction. The uplink capacity is still constrained. So how do you get to a future where you can provide pervasive high bandwidth connectivity, uplink connectivity to the, to, to the cloud is an unsolved problem. Part of the solution is edge compute, how well you don't need mm -hmm. to set everything up, you could be doing things on the edge, but that's also evolving. Like we have a solution for Microsoft and we need to adapt it even more to see what can be done on the edge for some other things you really need to send things to the cloud. So those are things that need to still be addressed. I think. Though if you were to ask me what is the state of the art, I would say we have a lot of promising tech, but we still yeah. need to address, uh, we still need to come up with innovations to address the problem of broadband in the farm. Yeah. And the other piece is part of it is a technology problem. The other part is a policy problem where you need the right incentives. You need to have the right policies in place. The FCC has been doing the right things, but uh, I think a lot more needs to be done. And worldwide, I think the FCC is still the, the leader as far as uh, policymakers are concerned. I think worldwide, other regulators need to be moving fast as well to make the right decisions to enable broadband in the farm. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, from some of your responses, it sounds like, you know, developing nations have kind of provided a lot of inspiration for some of these technologies or really push some of these things forward. How do you go about developing a technology that fits, you know, developing nations and where the United States infra or agriculture infrastructure is and how is it going to impact these different countries and their different agriculture systems? 
Yeah, no, that was a, that's a good question, right, Samantha? And I struggled with it as well when I started uh, doing this project as to who do we target? And if you were to ask me right now, I think we have built technology that works reasonably well for farms that are tens of acres or more. It, it's something that, uh, did, if you talk of data-driven agriculture solutions, they work at that level. They still don't work for the smallholder farmers uh, at mostly because of the cost. And that's something mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed because like around half a, half a billion farmers, uh, majority of them are smallholder farmers. So how do you get technology to them? So that's why part of the technology that has shipped are things that work at tens of acres or more, while we are still thinking in terms of how do we how do we get to the last mile? How do we get to the farmers who are small? That's still something where we are continuing to do research, like the things I talked about. Yeah. If we can get this Wi-Fi sensing to work, that can really help uh, help solve the problem. In fact, I'm writing, a, a, along with Stuart Collins at the Gates Foundation, we've just written a white paper on how do you enable digital agriculture for smallholder farmers? This is, uh, we've, it's still in, uh, in the review process, but that's something mm -hmm. where we put down our thoughts on what are those technology breakthroughs that are needed in things like connectivity, in, in artificial intelligence, in speech, in human interaction. That is, you know, some things we assume, how to use a phone. Well, it's, we can't just assume that for many people around the world. The literacy levels are yeah. not, the technology savviness is not there. So that's in that white paper, we try to cover a lot of these problems where we are still continuing to actively invest in addressing that problem because that really needs to be addressed if we are to make farming worldwide to be data-driven. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that white paper and, and we'll be sure to share that with our listeners as well on our, our streams because I think it's uh, something valuable that I think it's easy for us to kind of put out of our minds when we just think about our lives here. But, you know, for anybody who's traveled internationally, I think they understand, you know, what, what the different challenges are, especially with those smallholder farms, because it's, it looks nothing like what, you know, a giant row crop farm here in the Midwest looks like. The reason I started um, Farm Beats was because of this exposure to the farms in India. That is, uh, all the projects that I've done at Microsoft, at Microsoft Research, the ones I've started, have this element of trying to impact the people worldwide, not just the people in cities, but people in remote areas. And that was one of the triggers for Farm Beats as well. That is, I want to build tech to get, to improve the lives of farmers, of everyone worldwide. Um, so I guess one question I really like to ask you after, you know, hearing all of your responses is, not only what do you hope to see in the agriculture industry in the next five to 10 years, but what do you really think we're going to be able to get to within the next five or 10 years? What do you think is a practical goal to have? I think we will see, we will start seeing more adoption of these data-driven agriculture techniques, these digital techniques. I think uh, what I'm seeing based on the trends, we'll see, of course, much more adoption in the medium to large farms, especially in the developed world farms in the US, they all go in that direction to start using more technology, adopting more data. We'll start seeing more and more of that. We'll, and part of, the, part of the trigger would be, of course, driven by productivity, but it will also be driven by sustainability. That is, uh, for using the right practices in the farm in order to get carbon credits, for example, like with the carbon bank proposal that's coming up at the USDA and so on, you would need to provide information about what's happening in the farm. You really can't go and manually be getting all of that information. Yeah. You start using data. 
once you start adopting these techniques, like for example, if you're doing cover cropping or you're using no-till or reduced till, you need to know what the impact of that is going to be on your on your productivity. How can you still be productive, even more productive, while using some of these regenerative agricultural practices? Part of that would be driven by data. So what I'm uh, what I'm seeing is an increased adoption in digital agriculture techniques because of uh, uh, because of these the, the trend towards being more sustainable, the, the, the acknowledgement and the need to, to put to sequester more carbon in soil, to make the soils richer. But that's something which I think is going to happen, is going to accelerate. Worldwide, I hope a lot more happens. I think that's mm -hmm. where I'm, I'm a bit more concerned. I'm seeing that, and it needs to happen. Otherwise, this problem when we're talking about this divide between what's happening in the developed world and the emerging markets, is going to keep on increasing. And that's where the governments need to be taking the right decisions to make, to help these farmers adopt the right tools to be more productive. Because you know, the other thing that we see, we talk about climate change. Well, when we talk about climate change, we talk about how agriculture could be a solution. The thing is, climate change could impact farmers as well. And it will impact the smallholder farmers even more. Because these are the people who are not equipped with the right tools to deal with variation in weather, for example. A few, few degrees here and there, unexpected rainfall, these guys are going to suffer. So unless we address that problem, we need to move towards more climate smart agriculture, being able to provide these tools, these digital tools, so that they can adapt, they can take mm -hmm. the right decisions. So I think that's why it's imperative for us to even start thinking in terms of smallholder farmers and how yeah. we can bring technology to them so that we can help them be more productive as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, the sustainability piece and the carbon and like we keep hearing more and more about that, yep. which is great. And I'm sure we could have a whole another episode on just <laughs> that part as well. But um, to wrap everything up, what piece of advice do you have for individuals involved in the agricultural industry for you know developing the skills necessary to be successful or how to get connected in this digital agriculture landscape? Yeah. So people in the ag space, now of course they're like you all, you are grad students, you are doing cutting edge work, you're already in this, you're learning a lot of digital tools and working with the right people. But anyone else who's in this space, I would encourage them to pick up some of the core uh, data skills, which includes artificial intelligence, machine learning, just the basic skills of how do you, how do you use any of these tools in your daily decisions? I think that would be helpful. Just the fact, and, and for growers, it would be about how do you, they don't need to learn machine learning, but it'd be more around if you have data to augment your knowledge in the farm, how would you use this data? And there are a few examples, and there are a few farmers who we work with who've been really amazing. That there's this one farmer, he takes out, he, he farms over 9,000 acres in, uh, in eastern Washington, spread across 45 miles. And whenever he takes out his tractor, he looks at the predicted weather forecast using AI, the thing that we're doing for micro, micro level mm -hmm. forecast, to see whether it's the right time to be spring. And over the next few hours, because once he takes the tractor out, he's going to be out for a few hours. If it starts getting windy, it's going to be a disaster. So how do you use data to start taking your decisions? He uses that to even, he knows his farm, he knows some of the topographies in his farm, what the, uh, what the land looks like. And then he uses this data that we are providing with how his crops are growing to even decide how he should be seeding the next year. So this is where I think for growers, it would be more about thinking, hey, I know a lot about the farm, which are the parts if I had this additional data 
can I do better? Right. And that's something yeah. we should go over to do. And the other ag tech professionals, I think it's both about data and learning the skills we need it because the more of these tech skills that you need, the more you'll be able to do, the more productive you'll be able to do, and the more sustainable agriculture uh, we'll be able to practice. That was a great discussion with an incredible innovator, Ranbir Chandra, regarding Microsoft Farm Beats. And Ranbir talked about a lot of resources and um, articles that they're working on and publishing. So if you would like to read into any more of that, please check out our show notes for those links. Yeah, those are going to be great resources for people out there, I think. Um, you know, when I think of this interview, the word that comes to mind for me is enabling, because that's really what I think Farm Beats, not only are they doing, but that's what they're really seeking to do, is they're seeking to enable ag tech businesses that are trying to build on their platform. They're seeking to enable farmers in the Midwest, and they're also seeking to enable small shareholder farmers with all their innovation, right? So I, I think it's pretty cool, and I, I just think enabling is a good way to describe what they're doing. I completely agree. They're doing a great job of identifying challenges globally, but then not just thinking about what can we invent to fix this, they're thinking about what can we make that's accessible. And that's incredible. You think about your cell phone, your smartphone uh, example, that was awesome to hear about. Yeah, all really cool technologies. And so we we hope that you all who are listening enjoyed that episode as much as we did. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also hope that you enjoyed hearing Ranveer's vision for the future of agriculture. So next week, we're going to, to jump from this global company, Microsoft, that we all know about to more of a local startup, Realm 5, that's actually right down the street from the University of Nebraska, and learn how they're addressing rural connectivity challenges for data-driven solutions. We look forward to seeing you then. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Farm Bits Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We'd like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect reviews of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits.